Allow me to lace these lyrical douches in your bushes. Uh, Who rock grooves and make moves with all the mommies? The, the back, back of the club, sipping my wet is where you find Yeah, what's happening, people? What's going on? Welcome back to the Rotobomb Podcast. Pete Davidson here, as always. Today's a Wednesday special edition of the podcast because we have a special guest. Uh, so I'm not going to waste a whole bunch of your time um, with a long wind up. Uh, but I think it's possible and. Uh, if you haven't figured it out already, uh, Lord Reeves is going to be the guest here. Uh, and I think it's possible that when I was chatting with him, I forgot to give him his due props for absolutely nailing uh, the Matt Breida goal line situation back in August. Uh, Reeves basically said he's not going to get any goal line carries. He may not have one all year. So uh, props, Rich. I think I forgot to say that uh, uh, while we were chatting. Uh, but um, not going to waste a lot of time here. This is just... Um, uh, Rich and I had some time, so we just got together, talked a little football, figured it would be silly not to record it. Um, so we didn't really have much of an agenda. We talked about some of the topical stuff this week, Steelers running backs, Arizona running backs, a couple of these quarterback switches. I uh, got into a little bit of DFS stuff, nothing major, um, but it was a lot of fun. And as usual, Reeves has a lot of good stuff to say. So sit back, grab a glass of something, um, and enjoy my conversation with the venerable Rich Rebar. All right, folks. At this time, I would like to welcome Mr. Rich Rebar, the venerable Lord Reeves, back to the podcast. Rich, how you doing, man? Thanks for coming on the show again. Yeah, Pete. Thanks for having me back on. You know, I came on before the season and, you know, we kind of talked about some things we thought would happen. Probably a lot of things didn't if we went back and checked, you know, a lot of those takes, but some did. And here we are mid-season, you know, trying to recalibrate as we make this, you know, uh, push towards the last quarter of our fantasy regular seasons and hopefully for most people into the in the fantasy playoffs. Yeah, no doubt. How how are your teams doing? You you making playoff runs in a lot of places? Or yeah, what? M- more good than bad. Uh, you know, I've I've got some though that I just like. You know, all so all my worst teams were wide receiver heavy teams, and I know that. Uh, you know, the zero RB crowd is going to say, yeah, I see, or the non-zero RB crowd say, see, I told you so, but a lot's gone into it. Uh, the teams that I have worked out the most are mostly just where I took Dalvin Cook in the second round, like the, the majority of my <laughs> second round Dalvin Cook teams. Uh, hard to mess that. that up when you got him. But I actually do have a team, and I was on with Sigmund Bloom earlier this week where he's in a league with me, and I took Saquon and Dalvin Cook, and my team is still just in the middle. And it, it stinks to have those two guys. My wide receivers are so bad. Well, the Saquon, you had a little speed bump there, so that's true. A little bit of an excuse. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's the teams that are killing me, and I'm probably like you. We have a couple too many, probably, but um, it's my Cleveland centric teams are just killing me. Oh yeah, <laughs> just, I did. I did uh, too much uh, Odell Beckham, and I just sort of by chance a little too much Mayfield in my Superflex league. Yeah, especially where he struggled, you know, so far. You know, is obviously he's the he's at the worst quarterback rating under pressure, and he's been the worst red zone star too. If you pair that up with passing yards produced, and then you cross correlate to his red zone stats, and you're like, yeah, there's the culprit. Uh, you know how he's performed in the red zone to date. So I mean, hopefully he gets back on track here. The schedule does open up in about two weeks. Um, you know, um, right. So, I mean, hopefully they finish strong, you know, if you, if you've been sitting on it, but I can't, I think in redraft, he's been let go by now by, by many owners. 
Yeah, I would think in the 10-team the leagues and uh, even some of the 12-team leagues, I would think that would be the case. Um, you mentioned his schedule, and now out of curiosity, I'm pulling this thing up. Um, so they got the Patriots this week, just off the top of my uh, well, they had the Patriots last week. They get memory. At, oh, no, 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 no. Patriots Denver, last week, sorry. Um, right, they're at Denver, right. Yeah, that's – okay, so that's – where would we put Denver right now as far as being a road matchup? They got a lockdown corner. They should have more of a pass rush. Well, they haven't allowed a QB1 performance yet so far in the season. Right. Uh, one of the few teams to do that. So they're still limiting in the past, and they're they're limiting offensive yardage. Part of that, though, is part of the, you know how just like a, a slog their offense has been. So without Flacco, we'll see. You know, if, if Brandon Allen, you know, gives the Browns favorable field position, you know, multiple times, that, that obviously raises all tides. Uh, but, you know, they were already a team that has been bad offensively. So if, like, Brandon Allen can just kind of be kind of a proxy of what Flacco's been, like, they'll probably be a pretty similar offense. But we have no idea about Brandon Allen. This is a guy who was drafted in 2016 by the Jaguars. He's never thrown an NFL pass. He's been on three teams. And he's been a disaster so far in the preseason for his career. You know, this year he had one touchdown and three interceptions in the preseason. Uh, um, so far through four preseasons, he's averaged 6.7 yards per pass attempt, six touchdowns and 11 interceptions in just his preseason stats because <laughs> uh, he's never thrown a pass. So not pretty endearing uh, for Brandon Allen. And if you're co- hoping for Cortland Sutton to continue, you know, kind of his elevated, uh, you know, season that he's had to start the first half of the year. Yeah, okay. So you sort of just Sort of, you know, you headed me off at the pass there. Um, that's sort of where I was going to go. I mean, I'm watching Flacco play. I've seen, I think, I think I've seen all the passes he's thrown this year, and it's obviously not very inspiring on the stat sheet or to the naked eye. Um, so, just because of that, you're hoping, well, maybe the drop off won't be too bad. But it's funny because I've been hearing a lot of people say, "Yeah, this is really going to kill Sutton," and I'm sitting there going, "Really?" Because it's not like Flacco's been feeding this guy in an impressive way, but yeah, those are some daunting stats. It makes me wonder. Um, I don't know how much time you spent watching Brett Rippon, but I thought Brett Rippon was on the verge of being pro ready. I mean, he's not an exciting player in terms of skill set. He's not big. He's not particularly fast, but you know, he's one of those on schedule accurate kind of guys. I almost wonder if he could be close to getting in there. I mean, given that Allen is as bad as you say. Yeah, it just depends when they when Locke is eligible to come off IR and when when he does and what you know if they're going to give him a look. He was so bad in the preseason too. Locke That's what him. I was going to say. I mean, <laughs> Locke and Rippin are sort of opposites. You know, Rippin is this guy who tends to function under duress and and he's just sort of a really tight guy from the neck up. Whereas Locke, we know, you know, he can do some impressive things physically. He's big. He moves well, but there seems to be a disconnect from the neck up. Yeah, I mean, the, the big worry so far is that we talked about with, with switching these quarterbacks and, you know, Sutton actually just had more targets, you know, open up with the trade of Emmanuel Sanders. Right. The thing is that Sutton with Flacco was still more of a floor play. I mean, he had he's had just one wide receiver, one scoring week on the season. Five of seven uh, right. ha, are you know, have been where he's just been a top 30 receiver. So he's giving you like constant, like fringe wide receiver two, wide receiver three production. So right. any declination from when he's already just like a wide receiver two, 
wide receiver three play, any declination that moves him back to wide receiver three, wide receiver four, that's like the volatile zone for wide receivers. Like, it's just like, oh, well, this could be something one week and not some, nothing the next week, where he's actually been a guy that we've been leaning on. You know, it's seven or more targets in every game but one. His catch rate is what's been the difference. He's made a, it's made a jump, and, you know, whether that's Flacco-induced or not. You know, when they caught 50% of his passes as a rookie, and when Sanders got hurt at the end of last year and they lost to Marius Thomas and then traded him, subsequently traded him, uh, you know, he we couldn't we thought Sutton was going to get all these targets, and he did, but he couldn't do anything with them because – you know, you can't convert 50% of your catches and be a, a, an actionable fantasy player. And this week, this season, he's gotten up to 65% catch rate, and that's given him a little bit of floor. If he falls back into that 55% range, then we're not going to be able to count on him really like we were. Yeah, I, that's I, – yeah, that's that lines up with – I mean, I've got a lot of Cortland Sutton in Dynasty. That lines up with how I've experienced the player. Um, and I, I, think, I think you're sort of on to something because – I mean, I think a pretty big part of the problem with Sutton last year was just Case Keenum's ball placement was pretty horrendous. Um, just in terms, like I would watch those games and I, you know, like where is Keenum putting this ball? And we're talking like, you know, slants, short short throws where the ball is down and low, consistently up and away. And he's not even missing in a consistent way. It's scatter shot. Um, so if we're going back to a scenario like that, if if Brandon Allen is like going back to the way Keenum struggled last year, and obviously if you talk to McLaren, Keenum's had some struggles this year too. Um, <laughs> but Brandon Allen, just to your point, I think Allen could bring back those same kind of problems where if the ball isn't, you know, as bad as Flacco has been, he's delivered some a, a fair amount of catchable footballs. Um, so maybe we really are looking like a downgrade from a guy who was playing below average to start with. Yeah, absolutely. And for the running backs, too, I mean, like, Flacco hasn't been good. And like I said, the offense in totality, when you look at offensive metrics, I mean, they're in the bottom quarter of the league and just about everything, yards per play and efficiency. But when you correlate, when you cross it over just the fantasy production, they've been useful for us. Both running backs have been useful for us. Sutton's been useful. I mean, uh, you know, Manuel Sanders was like, you know, one foot in, one foot out to start. So now we just have to see if we lose all fragility moving forward, if the situation ends up being like it was the back half of last year um, with the Broncos. And I mean, so I guess, I mean, here's the interest. Well, not interesting. I guess sad thing about that is if, if this plays out, if if this plays out on the bad scenario that we're talking about, like, what does that offense look like? Like if they can't if they can't even feed Sutton, what are we looking at? Like fourteen completions a week or something. Like we saw that. it last year. We saw it at the end of last year that that offense right. you know was a disaster. So I mean, I think it's a good week to probably you know test your metal if you're streaming. The Browns D's now in play. Not that they weren't anyways even with Flacco, but you get elevation because we right. know that they, you know you've got sack potential already. Uh, now we have just an unknown factor in Brandon Allen. So uh, it, I don't know. Maybe Brandon Allen because he's one of these guys that at least initially maybe he has some initial success. We've seen it from. Some of these guys so far this year. I mean, Minshew's kept it rolling. Kyle Allen's kind of started to fizzle out here, uh, right. you know, the, the past couple weeks. I mean, maybe he just, with no tape and no experience, maybe he just, you know, it goes mom spaghetti and this is his moment. I don't know. <laughs> That would really be good. Uh, <laughs> I've got I, I've got Fant in one of my tight end premium leagues. It would really be nice if he could you know suddenly acquire a pulse. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess the thing that I'm listening to you talk, and the one thing that keeps popping into my mind is if he's as bad as we think he might be, maybe we get lucky and we get ripping at halftime. 
Because, <laughs> I mean, I don't want to go too crazy on Rippon. I know he's probably a journeyman quarterback. But the one thing about his college film is that he was just – he was on – the offense. The offense was on schedule with him running it. He reminded me a little bit, actually, of a guy we can talk about now. He reminded me a little bit of Ryan Finley, where nothing pops off the screen at you when you watch them. Nothing's like, ooh, wow. Mm-hmm. But the offense keeps working. It keeps clicking. I mean, I didn't watch Ryan Finley to watch Ryan Finley. I, I, I got to know him watching like Hines and Samuels when I was doing my 218 work. And then- sure. Like I was watching a lot of Kelvin Harmon and, and some Jacoby Myers this year. And, you know, I'm like, man, this Finley guy just, you know, every week he looks good. And, you know, it's interesting. But in that in the in the offense they're running in Cincy now. Right. I mean, it's maybe not an exact copy of the Rams offense, but there's a lot of similarities. Uh, Finley. I mean, there's not a lot that Jared Goff has, to be honest, that Ryan Finley doesn't. Yeah, I mean Finley j- should have looked good because he was he was old as shit. I mean, uh, sorry, I didn't know uh, if I could swear on this podcast. You now, can but, absolutely uh, curse on this podcast. But uh, he's a 24 year old rookie. He'll actually be 25 uh, in two months. Uh, so he's a, he's re- he's really older. He's really older on the spectrum of you know uh, prospects. But they he was a guy that they went out and targeted as a system fit. Remember they traded? Right. Uh, they traded up to get him. He was, I was about to say. I think they moved up. Yeah. Yeah, they moved up to get him. He was fifth in all passers in this class in completion rate on play action passing, which I think was nice. a big draw to yep. what they want to do. You know, obviously sure. when you think of, you know, Zach Taylor coming from that Sean McVay scheme, running a lot of eleven personnel, being able to run run from eleven personnel and use play pass. Obviously that hasn't worked out for the Bengals this year because of their <laughs> offensive line situation. Yeah. They just haven't been able to run at all. But, I mean, that was a system fit. He played well in the preseason. He's not a guy that's going to have, like, a high A dot. I think in preseason he was around, like, seven seven 7.9 yards, pretty low. But that's what he is. He wants to get the ball out of his hands and keep the offense on script. It's kind of, you know – and Dalton wasn't playing bad. They just had no choice to go and look at him. You know, this is a team that's, uh you know, uh, 0-8 coming into this bye. Right. And they're staring down the gun barrel – of a top 10 pick in a QB rich draft class. And they've got this quarterback that they traded up to get like, they have no choice, but to take a look at him. It right, was kind of the writing was on the wall. They, they have to see what this It's not even really an offense to Andy Dalton. I mean, we know what Andy Dalton is and we know he probably isn't the answer, but it's not like Andy, it's Andy Dalton's fault. What's happened to the Bengals this year. He's I, I, it's not it's, but they have no choice, but to turn to Finley and at least explore what he offers them in a year that they traded up for him when they're going to be staring at, restarting this thing from with a rookie quarterback the next year. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing I don't, you know, just to your point, I mean, Dalton, I actually thought was a reasonably good fit for the scheme. Like I thought this scheme would be better for him than, than the one he's been working under most of his career. Um, but the one thing I like about Finley that has always been a problem for me with Dalton is he can throw some more nuanced throws. He can drop some balls into zones. He can get things between the linebackers and the safeties. You know, Dalton tends to throw a pretty flat ball, um, so I don't know, hopefully we see some improvements, but what the thing that Finley's going to have and, and just to continue, uh, defending Dalton a little bit here, he might actually be able to play with a full boat. He may have AJ green. Yeah. He may get Ross back at some point that may get Boyd back to a, the role that he really thrives in. And they've established some nice fringe guys in Erickson and Tate. So now all of a sudden you've got a, a nice full group of receivers. We know that the running backs are talented. Um, so just to your point, if he can be an effective distributor with this skill group healthy around him in this scheme, you know, we, we might have something that's not so bad for fantasy. 
Yeah, I was I was encouraging a couple weeks ago for people to pick him up in two QB leagues to kind of jump the gun because it was the writing was on the wall. Like he was gonna, they were gonna have to look at him. Um, right. They do. I mean, they've got our on our strength of schedule remaining uh, season. They've got the ninth Jets, Oakland, Miami. They've got the ninth ranked passing schedule and the sixth ranked explosive pass schedule uh, uh, left for the rest of the season. So there's some opportunity there. And if he gets AJ Green back, obviously he's a guy that could raise the tide of a QB himself. Uh, I thought that the John Ross injury was an overlooked element because John Ross has been such a, a punching bag, you know, in the community for you know right. the last three years. But he was the only guy that had any type of speed on that offense and removing him from the board was a big problem I thought because you know Auden Tate is a 6'6 4'7 guy yeah Alex Erickson is a, is a sub slow tight end. <laughs> a, yeah Alex Erickson is a sub 200 pound 4'6 guy uh and you know uh Tyler Boyd is a 4'6 slot guy so I mean they were lost that dynamic, you know, just having a guy that can that can at least threaten the defense with just his feet, you know, just speed uh, in general was a big loss because now you've got a bunch of guys that really can't create separation outside of scheme uh, was a big deal. And that's kind of played out because the offense has not been good since John Ross. Was a, a bad offensive line and receivers who don't separate. You do the math, right? Yeah. I mean, Auden Tate's been like a really good Some story. And, like, we talk about yeah, we're like, look at this catch radius, but then you forget, like, he has to make those catches because he can't get away right. from anybody and can't get himself. Like, it's it's like a it's a gift and a curse what he's doing. Yeah, I mean, look, he's a really nice guy. He's like a nice club to have in your bag because he can he can help you on third down. Mm-hmm. He can help you in the red zone. He, uh, you know, I he's he's definitely a nice player to have, but yeah, he's not a featured one or two receiver. Um, you know what's interesting? Correct me if I'm wrong, but. Well, I know I'm right here because we haven't seen – we haven't seen no, – I just I, – I was – when did Green get hurt? It was preseason. So we haven't seen good John Ross on the field with A.J. Green really ever. We've seen dysfunctional Ross playing with Green here or there. But if they get Ross back healthy and he can make just the impact he was making – I know it wasn't always pretty with him and, you know, he had a bad head turn on some of his, some of his targets. He looked unprepared for the football, but he also looked great on some of them. If we can just have even the volatile guy that we were seeing early this year, if you put that guy in the field with a healthy AJ Green, you know, I wouldn't mind having that quarterback as long as they can distribute the ball. Yeah, I mean, I think with 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 uh, you know Zach Taylor, and I think even with Cliff, they haven't had this the the outright success. I think a lot of people expected maybe some wizardry, you know, this right. year and some instant you know, some instant, you know, tangible results. But I think that what both have shown, I feel pretty confident in, in both both uh, regimes moving forward for the immediate future here. Yeah, me too. Um, I, 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 just, I just think that, you know, the injuries the Bengals had and the offensive line really just put them in such a, a bad spot this year uh, offensively to do the things that they want to do. Uh, and they just weren't able to overcome that. And we've seen how much the offensive line does matter for that scheme because we've seen it with the Rams yep. this yep. year. Uh, they, their interior, their offensive line gets gutted. They they lose Saffold. Uh, they let Saffold walk in free agency. They let um, the center go. I, I'm, I'm, his name uh, is eluding me nope. right now. Sullivan. They let they lose John Sullivan. 
then, you know, they lose note boom to injury. The offensive line's been a disaster. Jared Goff's pressure rate's been top five this year. And we, we've seen, you know, out of structure. And, and they can't run the football because of right. it. So now you lose the aspect of being able to successfully run play action. And Goff's play action stats are way down. His effective use of play action is just way in the tank this year. Um, so we've seen how that system thrives on having good offensive line play. And the Bengals never had that from jump. And it's it's really impacted them. They just haven't been able to run the football at all. Yeah, um, even even by creating positive box counts, they haven't been able to run the football. Uh, just like the Rams haven't. Then the Rams have done the same thing. So they've run the same problem. Yeah, and I mean, you, if you you don't need to give Mixon a ton. So I mean, it's I just to put an exclamation point on what you're saying. I mean, it's if you watch it week to week, it's not just bad offensive line play. It's it's down there like where the Jets are. It's really bad. Yeah, I mean they they are second behind the Jets in, in yards created before contact before their before their running backs on run plays, uh, just not not getting a chance to win, you know, on on their own. And uh, I wish they would have altered. I wish they would have altered the approach and used Mixon more in the passing oh, game and the back so in general. True. I feel like that's the one letdown of the offense. If you really wanna, if you really wanna point at something that they that they should be doing more is involving both those guys in the past, especially because the injuries they've had. Like, why aren't they using Mixon and Geo more in the past game? Why hasn't there been more of that? I mean, is how it, many is times it, is it, have you seen Mixon take a ball in the flat, break a tackle, pick up five, break another tackle? I mean, he can make big plays if you just get him the football. Yeah, it's the types of targets they've gotten, too. I mean, Mixon, um, not only is he not being really used in the passing game, but he's getting just these ancillary, tertiary, you know, token running back targets instead of right. being actually used. Because um, we've seen some teams gain an advantage. We, we, you know, this summer there was a lot of hot debate about, about, you know, targeting running backs and when it doesn't matter. And obviously we've got someone doing it wrong in Seattle. Seattle is up to their running back usage in the passing game, but they're just dumping the ball off to Chris Carson like in a regular way. That's not the successful way to do it. You know, you want to use it like Andy Reid used the running backs. Oh, an, an example of how it's worked positively is Matt LaFleur. I was just, I was just now, about to say Aaron Jones. Yeah, the 20, way to use they're targeting – they're targeting their running backs the sixth highest rate. They were uh, 20th last year. But then you look at the types of targets these backs are getting. They're not just getting the the check down types targets like 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 how Mixon is getting them. They're using Aaron Jones, you know, downfield. They're using Jamal Williams downfield and getting these targets. And that's what the Bengals, especially after losing Ross and losing Green, they have guys like Geo and Mixon that can win in that capacity. So that is that is one legitimate gripe I will support uh, uh, a strike against Zach Taylor. Yeah. Well, no. I mean, look. Like- we see some of these backs, what can happen when you use them downfield in the passing game, when you use them with different types of routes, like a, a Rex Burkhead or uh, Damian Williams, uh, Christian McCaffrey, uh, David Johnson. Well, not every guy year. has to be Christian McCaffrey. I mean, right. Look at Aaron Jones. I mean, it's like. <laughs> well, no, but like what I'm saying is like uh, these just vanilla dump offs where everybody sort of knows what's mm-hmm. going on versus letting a, a running back actually run a route, beat a guy, get some separation, get them the yeah. ball in the second level or even the third level sometimes. Uh, it, it can really it, it opens the field up in a lot. I mean, look at some of the plays Dave, uh, David Johnson's made this year compared to the way they used him last year. I mean, it's it's like you're it's like they're playing on a different planet. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a shame that he got hurt. But um, and, and Damian Williams, too. I mean, we haven't seen a lot of it this year because that offense hasn't quite. It's been broken in some way, shape or form on most weeks. They haven't really been themselves. I mean, they're so good. It doesn't they, they still look relatively good, but we haven't really seen that whiteboard offense that we saw at times last year. Um, hopefully we'll see it soon because Damian Williams is healthy now and 
And how amazing is it with this thing with Mahomes? I mean, he had his kneecap like on the side of his leg. And I mean, it sounds like he may make his next start. That's sort of amazing. Yeah, uh, I remember watching it with my son, and I was just like, oh, he just popped that, he's, that guy just popped his kneecap back into place, okay. Uh, and then he walks off, he, they don't, you know, they, he walks off the field, uh, he, you know, it's like, well, what's the story? And then obviously, you know, Chow and, and Dr. Gene had it. Um, it I, they're still saying he's, uh, you know, probably worn out. But that's another team, though, that has had just a litany of offensive line injuries that have snowballed on them. And they're another team that just, that the offensive line play has really impacted their, their offensive performance, and then obviously they've been right. rotating receivers, you know, in and out of the lineup, you know, left and right. Right, I was about to say, you've, you've got Tyreek Hill's been hurt, you've had Watkins been hurt, now you've had Mahomes, Damian Williams well, We haven't been seen hurt. it all, all together at all, because Hill right. left the second drive of week one, and it's been something different every week. This is exactly what I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. Um, so... Now I'm sitting here thinking about the Chiefs. What... <laughs> <laughs> it's weird we've had have you ever seen a season where we've had so many broken offenses well backup quarterback play where we've got a record for quarterback starts already guys that have started a game right we've got more of it this week you know with brandon allen dwayne haskins might get his first nfl start this week um i think we've got one other and guy. you know um, he deserves one start where he actually gets to prepare for the start yeah. like everybody's killing him it's like he's been thrown in twice i mean i don't want to make excuses i mean if he didn't play well but like at least once let the guy start a game where he's supposed to be the guy who's in there. yeah he's coming cold two games and then the, obviously the first week was kind of off of like pure reluctance you know uh, going in if you remember right. it was almost like Gruden just played him for the sake of you know having to uh and then last week was just circumstantial because Keenum got hurt um but right. you know they've already approached it Callahan and saying well if Keenum gets cleared he's going to play so that once again here we go with the rug getting pulled out on Haskins where he's probably getting the first team reps and then you know if Keenum just gets cleared because they played on Thursday and not Sunday so the extra days might get him cleared there where they just say you know he doesn't start again when he should just be starting at this point anyways because like Ryan Finley like they're another team that's going to be staring down the gun barrel of this these quarterbacks and not yep. even though they took him early you're to right know, uh, are we gonna well they're gonna have a new coach they have to hire someone now this right. offseason and that coach is going to be saddled with Dwayne Haskins and that guy might not want him. And it, the last coach apparently did not want. And it might be a situation like Arizona, where that head coach says, "Yeah, I don't. I want to move in another direction. We're gonna. This is the guy I want. We're gonna be in a position to draft him. So let's do it." Uh, so I mean, they have to at least get actual full game tape out on Haskins and in these situations where he prepares as a starter and has time to adjust of being a starter. So, I mean, they should swerve into it, but you know, Callahan's a little old school. So him getting the job didn't help. Um, <laughs> well, I guess it makes sense. Like if, if you were them week, like after week six, if you're them and you're looking at San Francisco, Minnesota, Buffalo right. by week, maybe they are thinking install by week, let them start with the jets, you know, Jets, Detroit in 11 and 12. That's not too bad. You know, get them a little, you know, feel like the starter, get that feeling under your belt before you have to go up against Carolina and Green Bay. Uh, and then they, you know, they, it, you know, if he were to play well, if he were to make that offense a little more functional, it would be cool having the skill players from Washington, you know, going up against Philly and the Giants week 15 and 16. That might make some of us happy at that point. I know I have a lot of McLaurin, so I'd like him to be playing with a functional quarterback. It's, uh, those matchups. Yeah, and you know that's kind of the sketchy part where we where we are with McLaurin 
Uh, you know, we it's kind of we're at a spot like and I remember the narrative early on was the Ohio State connection, you know, like, oh, just wait till Haskins in there, they're familiar. But is Keenum is Keenum better though for but it because so far it's played out where Keenum's been better for McLaurin. You know, like he's at least been <laughs> It has, even though right. he's left like four deep balls on the table. Like amazingly, he's left a ton of yardage on the table and has still been the best guy for him. Um, yeah, so I mean, we have this, and it's it's a small sample, but you know, he's from Keenum. He's caught two thirds of his targets and five touchdowns, and you know, ten point seven yards per attempt. And then from McCoy and Haskins, he's caught just three of eight targets for seven yards per attempt. And- I'm just looking at Haskins, and I'm in my mind, I'm looking back to like the Jets a couple years ago when they finally brought in Bryce Petty, and the only thing he did Robbie was Anderson, throw it to yeah. Robbie Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm just hoping we can get a little bit of that with uh, McLaurin yeah, at some point. Hopefully. Um, but that, that's yeah, because McLaurin's too greedy. good for us to have this situation where we can't play him. He's been too good, and that's yeah. where we are Like over this little spurt. It's just like, all right, well, we can't really play this. He should be a locked-in wide receiver too, and he's not, and it's frustrating because he's shown that type of capability, um, and we don't want to not play him as a QB. Yeah, you know what's interesting with him? We, we – yeah, well, yeah, definitely. And it, it just, you know, they can't protect anybody. They can't keep the quarterback up. That limits how many times you can actually take mid-range to deep shots with him. Uh, maybe getting the left tackle back could be something that helps McLaren. I hadn't really thought about it in those terms, but it could it makes a little bit of sense. Yeah, let's hope so. I mean, who knows where Trent Williams' head is at right now. <laughs> I'm just talking for the next five to six weeks. I mean, look, he's motivated. He doesn't want to look like shit, right? I mean, he's playing for cash. But, I mean, obviously, though, I mean, if McLaurin and, and the schedule opens up here after the stretch, um, after the buy, and they make – And it does. I yeah. mean, maybe he's a guy you come in and buy low on and just say, I, I'm I'm just hoping for the best. And if he ends up where Haskins kills him, I, I'm not paying the iron price anyways. That's an interesting point. Coming off of three tough matchups, maybe trade for McLaurin as he's heading I into be, the weekend. I have to buy. think that the guy in your league is willing to sell if it's really not not dynasty league. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, and the ground. I I think the ground softens during that bye week, and that's generally right before most redraft. De- I think most redraft deadlines are like week ten or eleven. I mean, excuse me, week eleven mm-hmm. or twelve. Isn't that about right? Um, yeah, I mean, as long as you're buying with the expectation of like, you know, coming in and you're, you're playing it for the best case scenario, you're not basing your season on this move working out. But they, you're, you you see the writing on the wall a couple weeks from now that like, hey, this could get swing back to being positive like it was for the first quarter of the season. I, d- I definitely have a team where I wouldn't mind going after him. I've got a team where my tight ends are killer. I've got Lamar at quarterback, you know, Zeke and, and Coleman and um, Lindsey at running back. It's a really deep league, but I've got too many wide receiver threes. I could really use a couple guys that are just sort of locked in your lineup guys. So that, that might be a league where I go after him. Um, let's talk about Kenyon Drake because that's sort of a weird one, right? Because you had a team that's too deep at the running back position. I know they're banged up in the moment, but – how do you read the tea leaves with the Kenyon Drake acquisition? Are you reading it as Edmonds or Johnson is more banged up than we think? Are you reading it as, well, hey, here's a cheap back who fits the system. Why not get some cheap depth? Or are we thinking they really like Kenyon Drake? Like, like how are you sort of seeing that acquisition? Because And it's not like Arizona's really 
you know, got designs on doing anything this year, right? Yeah, I mean, it could just be a little bit of all the above, to be honest. I mean, Kenyon Drake is the kind of back like that works in that system as well. So, I mean, uh, it could be a little bit of all the above. And that's probably, he probably, you know, Cliff wants a little more of a, given just back and how they use backs in college, probably wants a little bit more of a rotation. Um, it also may lo- <laughs> Yeah, and it also it also probably allows them because if you think about how they've been successful moving the ball through the air this year, David Johnson was a big part of creating mismatches because this is a team that has no bound functional boundary Absolutely. wide receivers at all. Uh, they have no no one that can right. win on the outside, and David Johnson was the only way. David Johnson gets removed from the board in that Giants game, and what immediately happens? They throw they're they're throwing the ball sideways yeah. again. And then it carried over last week. Yep. Um, so maybe it allows David Johnson to be on the field more and play some more wide receiver. Uh, you know, well, that's interesting. That's where I was when I was rudely cutting you <laughs> off like 30 seconds ago. Um, it, it's it's I've heard a lot of people say smart people who I, I totally respect saying they need to just move Johnson to receiver. I don't know um, about outright move him, but more. <laughs> right. That's where I'm going. Because I, yeah, because a, a couple things on that. I actually did plenty of film work on David Johnson when he was playing a lot of receiver, and you know he's not he's not an NFL receiver. Right. He's a guy where if you can get him matched up against the right corners and linebackers, you can play him like a receiver and gain an edge. You wouldn't want to just put him outside. Yes. Um, you, you would be removing a lot of what makes him special. It's his. Uh, it's the fact that when you put David Johnson in the huddle, the defense can't match up. They can't match up with him until you put him somewhere in the formation. It, 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 he's a very unique player um, in that way. I I know you know this. Um, so I mean, maybe. And I, I hate it when I'm a sucker for this concept. We all, maybe not all, but a lot of us fall for this when coaches say, "Well, we're going to get our two backs on the field together." They always say it. It never happens. We know this. But maybe, maybe this is a scheme where they could actually well, do it. Was, it. it was already starting. The, the three weeks prior, they were using right, right. They, they were using him and Chase Edmonds more on the field because they listen. The one thing Cliff has done is he's rotated all those guys and given them all looks, and he has nothing outside of Kirk right. and Fitzgerald at wide receiver. But, those guys are all. Now I'm, I'm only going from. I'm only going from memory, but most of the plays where I remember them on the field together, they. They motioned him out of the backfield, yeah. right? Right, right. Okay. So they're sort of like they line him up, then they break formation. They get to see how the defense adjusts to the formation break, and then the quarterback sort of goes from there. Like I love that. Yeah, and he That's started great. to use uh, like more RPOs and more stuff with Kyler's legs. You know, the, oh, since that quarter right. season, Cliff has made adjustments. He's shown, like I said, the results really haven't been there, but he's shown enough. I, he he does some game management stuff that I still question. But uh, as far yeah. as like implementing like you know different things and not just running the same offense every week, he's actually altered his his approach for a good deal to his personnel, which is encouraging. So I mean, it could be a little column A, column B. My my only question is that um, is what happens when all three of these guys come back? Is it just a situation where we can't play any of them because they're all just right? You know, we we really can't decide who's going to be able who's going to touch us. Maybe they see it the way you see it, and maybe what they want is to not wear out David Johnson if he's not right. Maybe the, maybe this is them valuing David Johnson in a weird way. I mean, it could be because he's obviously really hurt and with multiple, like a plethora of injuries, back, ankle. Like he's got all kinds of stuff going on, and he's looked he's he's looked like a guy that's been playing hurt. Like he's had no explosion. Uh, he's made he's made right. plays in those mismatch situations, but this is a guy that's he broke. 
four tackles on 76 rushing attempts, you know, prior to, you know, him not being in and he's not breaking, he's not, he's not creating explosive plays. Those David Johnson chunk gains that we had in 2016, you know, the, that's the player that we, that we, um, you know, wanted back on the field and he's been good because of the volume and the receptions. But as far as like big chunk plays, he's not, he's not creating them on ability anymore. Uh, and he's looked like a guy that's been hurt. So, I mean, uh, I would assume that it is like all of those things. Um, it's a bummer because I really like Chase Edmonds as a prospect. And I remember being really down him getting drafted there uh, and being really being really bummed he got drafted there and then like kind of being excited he got drafted there now because the cliff and then he got a shot and he was implemented in the offense and he saw what he could do because like coming out i mean he was a guy that was like deon lewis so he's a very deon lewis type of prospect uh and then we got to see what he could do and then that now he's hurt again so it's just a bummer well he's a hamstring right so i mean hopefully i mean i haven't heard anything that it's like epic hamstring it sounds like it's typical one to two week kind of thing have you heard anything different? Yeah, now you know, they add Drake, so now it's it's muddled. It's, that's another team about offensive line uh, functionality is an issue. Uh, the only teams that they've successfully run on are teams that they should, and you know the schedule's a little dicey through this stretch. It gets a little better. Yeah, I was going to say, calling it an issue, you're being kind, yeah. I think. <laughs> Although, probably been better than I anticipated. I thought maybe they would be the worst. And Yeah, I, I mean, the, the like I said, Cliffs mitigated so some of that. You put um, a lot of 10 personnel but, and just getting up. Uh, You broke up there for a second. What did you just say? I said, well, they were running a lot of 10 personnel, you know, for a stretch there and, you know, making it easier for, to get the ball out, you know, just kind of. But then they were also face, face facing teams that couldn't pressure the quarterback. You know, that stretch three weeks prior, Kyler Murray was he was the least pressured quarterback in the NFL the prior um, prior to this week for the previous three weeks. But they faced the Giants, the Falcons, and the Bengals. Last week, the Saints pressure rate just spikes right back up. So it could have been a little bit of, you know, column A, column B there for that stretch. And they face the 49ers on Thursday, the right. Bucks next week, the 49ers again the week after that before they're by. Then they come out and get the Rams, a team that's, you know, top five in pressure rate. And the Steelers, who is their defense is rejuvenated and they're first in the league in sack differential. Yep. So they face really five defenses in a row that are really going to pressure the quarterback. <laughs> I was about to say, that's daunting. Yeah, even the Browns, even the Browns in Week 15 are going to be a problem for them, probably. Yeah, this is definitely definitely a <laughs> yeah, because yeah, Cleveland could they could get better between now and then. Um, yeah, I'm actually I'm, I'm now that you mentioned, I'm pulling it up now just to see it in front of me. But yeah, Frisco two out of the next three, Tampa, and Tampa, you've got a little Todd Bowles narrative. He's definitely going to bring the heat because he's been doing it all year anyway. Um, well, they get J- they got JPP back and they've already they're already a high of the league they're second in the league yeah. in blitz right now right now and pressure on the quarterback they actually should blitz less <laughs> they, they don't have a gimme matchup left on the schedule period there's not one left yeah and they and the only time we've seen them be functional just look just look down at their points scored and who they scored points against yep. and look at the other games Giants. I mean, look Falcons. at it. Just run it down. 27 against the Lions, 17 against Baltimore, yep. 20 against Carolina, 10 against Seattle, 26 against the Bengals, 34 against the Falcons, 27 against the Giants, back down to nine against the Saints. So, I mean, <laughs> we, we have a pattern here. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so where what do you think about Drake this week? We might as well hit that because I know a lot of people are going to be sort of yeah, I mean, a lot of people have to play him, I think, <laughs> just based on, you know, he's a guy that's – he's a running back that's going to be probably playing close to 100% of the snaps, uh, in the, and, and, he, and he can catch. And he can catch. 
So you think, okay, that whole you got a flaw. Okay. Well, yeah, he definitely can. And he's obviously elusive. And I mean, we all like Drake's in, and we all know what we like about Drake. Um, the, the thing with Drake is, I don't know if we've ever really like totally put our finger on what is it? What is that thing about Kenyon Drake that keeps him from getting like full-time juice? No coach has ever found it fitting to do it for him. We're still waiting. Like, and I, I've never actually put my finger on it. Like what is What's the thing that keeps Kenyon Drake from getting it's, a real shot? I mean, I would guess it's similar to not quite the Matt Breida thinks he's bigger, but just like the the right. perception of size. Like, you know, being a 210-pound back, people feel like that he's he's just pigeonholed as something he isn't by perception Most of certainly coaches is right pigeonholed. Now. I mean, you can't – I mean, because look at the only time in Miami that back – This is going to be the year. <laughs> well, no, the backstretch of 2017 when they had no other choice but to give him the ball all game, and he was incredible. And he looked great, yeah. I mean, when they started putting Bellage ahead of him, even in like OTAs and, you know, in August, I'm sitting there going, what, what, what is it ever going to take for Kenyon Drake to get a shot? I mean, Caleb Bellage. With Mark Walton and Mark Walton's elevation now as being like a flex guy. But look at any time the Dolphins, they don't get them. These guys have the same problem, Drake. The, the, right. the, the problem that people say Drake has, Walton has that problem in spades. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean everything that they, the Dolphins don't get inside the 10 often, but every time they've gotten there too, Ballage comes right in the game. So, I mean, you're not going to get much. There's no touchdown equity with that guy. And this is a guy where if you put a fire hydrant on the field, he would run into it. I mean, his vision is <laughs> that bad. Um, so, okay, let me see. We hit Finley. We hit the Arizona backs. We talked more about Flacco than anybody wants to listen to. Um, <laughs> well, people had Sutton, I'm sure, and, uh, you know, kind of wondering. Because Sutton went through uh, look, my whole- two weeks of good, great news and bad news. Like, Sutton was like, oh, Emmanuel Sanders gone. Sutton's going to take another – his rocket ship is coming. And then, then the week after, it's disaster. Well, Sutton's got some short-term things to worry about, but I mean, his long-term we got to feel good about, right? Yeah. I mean, they're going to figure that thing out eventually, right? It's a long career. <laughs> Someday Elway's going to get a quarterback, or they'll get rid of Elway or whatever. Um, wh- where are you at with the Steelers this week? Uh, I mean, are, a, are, you, are you as excited as I am to see Jalen Samuels maybe get 20 touches? Yeah, I mean, if we get where Connor's out, um, absolutely. I mean, you look at what he did last I'm year. I'm starting to feel like he might be. Yeah, it's just because they've moved some stuff around, right? Yeah, I haven't seen anything concrete. I mean, maybe they, maybe Connor just need, and he had the, the bye week, but he's a guy that just seemingly picks up something every game now. Um, I mean, that's the thing with him. He's got like, what, three or four parts on his body that have been ding this year. Yeah. And then Samuels is the guy with knee, ankle, and shoulder, right? When he played last year was was excellent. When the when the three games that Connor was out, he was a high end RB two all three of those games. We know he can catch the football, and you know Eddie Faulkner is there to kind of use him creatively. Uh, so I mean, yeah, I mean I'm ready for it. The matchup is solid, and it seems like they need to do more things in that short area than they needed to do with Roethlisberger. It, like Samuels' skill set maybe helps them even more now because. They need to come up with more ways to move the football. They can't just. They've done it. We've seen them with. We've seen them in the two games, the Bengals game and the Chargers game, really get kind of creative yeah. with the intermediate stuff. Yeah. Um, so I mean, they've they've worked on that stuff and kind of have kind of tried to coerce some production out of uh, out of their offense that in that way, trying to manufacture it. Last week was a little more traditional for for Mason Rudolph. Right now, Snell had some kind of knee injury last week. Now, mm-hmm. have we heard? I haven't heard anything that says he's definitely out 
this week? Have you heard no, nothing so far was concrete at this point. And, you know, we're doing this on Wednesday morning. So there's only been one, one practice. Well, anyways. This, and not even a real practice. Then they played on Monday, so there wasn't even a real right, practice. Right, right. I hadn't thought of that. At this point of us recording, they haven't even actually, like, really practiced yet. So we'll know more as right. we go And they're one 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 game. Well, you should really pick up the I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> But absolutely, everyone should just preemptively pick up Samuels oh, yeah. for the notion that. I mean, he's one of those guys. I'm. I pretty much stash him anywhere I can, just on principle. But yeah, I mean, if he's like sitting out there, I would be much more excited to play Samuels than Drake. Uh, <laughs> now, just is that just 49ers been that nasty? Well, just in, in the situation that we just talked about with the Cardinals in general, like they have they have not generated any points on any team that can pressure the quarterback so far. So right. uh, we get uh, some tide lowering just from expected points. Uh, and the Col- Colts haven't been that tough up front compared to last year. Right. And then, you know, uh, so, I mean, I, I would be a little more uh, of excited just for offensive functionality, uh, I should say. Where where are we at? Where the one thing I'm just going off of memory here. I haven't looked at it this week, but Colts Steelers probably not a super happy game in terms of pace. I know the Colts like to keep it slow when they can. Yeah, the Colts run a lot of plays, but uh, in terms of neutral neutral pace, they're towards the bottom. Uh, right, the, and then you know the Steelers are thirtieth in offensive plays per game, so there's definitely right. a chance of that to be a slog, similar to last right. week when we saw Indy play Denver. I think that that, right. is, that game is a very similar yeah. feel, and this game is not an Indy. That one you saw coming a mile away, for right? Sure. Um, and then the other thing is too is uh, you know the Colts are playing these just they play a close game. They're the only team in the league. Every game has been decided by one score, so they're the only team. <laughs> Where are you? Are you with me in terms like when I look at the Colts and I look at Reich and the and the new GM, I. I if I were a Colts fan, I would be really excited about the future, which is ironic in that your franchise QB just walked away. But are it's you with weird. me on that? I'm, it's I'm so much more impressed with them. It's weird because I would be for the future. I'd feel great about Bowden. I'd feel great about Reich. But I would be right. terrified with what's happening and how they're winning games this season. Um, oh, yeah, sure, sure. I would be absolutely terrified because they're doing the 2016 Dallas Cowboys uh, version of we're going to try to just like – not have our defense on the field a lot all game, which is a, which is definitely a below average defense. Um, right, and and then you know kind of live trying trying to like live off hyper efficiency on offense, which is what they've done. Brissett is twenty seventh in the NFL in yards per pass attempt, but he's you know fourth in pressure rate or our touchdown rate. Uh, you know, it gets six point one percent touchdown rate. Uh, like eventually, there's trade off there that's gonna like equalize. Like I said, they are another team. Like they're five and two, but every game has been decided by one score or less. So they're they're running really hot on just natural variance in the NFL. It's not very often teams win over fifty percent of their games decided by one score. Um, so they're running hot in that regard. So I mean. It's weird because I don't want anyone to take offense that's a Colts fan because I want to say like, ah, oh, well, we're five and two. And it's like, but I really feel like the way that they're playing now is not sustainable. And they really don't have a shot over a, 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 to win, to beat three really good teams in a row. Like they'll have to in the postseason, assuming they get there. Um, I don't believe that they can. And it stinks because as a football fan, you know, you want to say like, we're in the playoffs. Yay. And like anything can happen. Um, but uh, you also don't want to be on the negative end either and say like, well, if we can't win at all, what's the point? <laughs> I mean, I'm just, I'm just, I mean, you know, well, you may or may not realize I'm a Jet fan, but I'm a Jet fan. So I just, I look at the Colts and I'm just so even, look, obviously the Ursay thing is bad, but apart from the Ursay thing, 
I'm just jealous. They've, they've got it going um, in terms of the brain trust. Uh, and you know what? What are they, five and two? Yep. Probably be Pittsburgh, I think. They'll got, they got Miami next week. Jacksonville's winnable. Shoot, they could be eight and two. By the time yeah, I mean, they're just going to be a team that's going to yeah. be. They, I, and on the other hand, outside of the Miami, if they ended up, if they lost to Pittsburgh or Jacksonville, I don't think anyone would be shocked either, though. Yeah, no, no, oh, yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, yeah, I think slight edge at Pittsburgh. And I think, uh, yeah, they're, what are they, like a one point favorite on the road? So, um, yeah. And then, you know, the rest of their schedule, really, there's not, there's not, except for the Saints week 15, they don't have a game on their schedule they can't win. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, so you're. I, I think you're right. I think they're a playoff team, and then probably not going to go real far. Um, but yeah, I'm just real impressed with that coach, right? Because just the, the thing about Ballard, Ballard too, for sure. And but you know, we talk. I know you and I have you know, Sigmund Bloom, and I say it all the time. Everybody does the the assumption of rational coaching. Like the Colts are one of those rare teams where I look at them going in, and I say, well, if they're smart, they'll play like this. And they tend to. So maybe that's just confirmation bias. I like people who do what I like. But well, remember, they did the same thing that Nagy did last week and it worked out for them. Uh, you know, they played for a 51 yard field goal yeah, last week willing and from a and from a guy who has been pretty sketchy. Vinatieri's been pretty sketchy this year. The 50 yard field goal from the 60 yard 60 year old kicker. Yeah, that is bold. Um yeah, and it worked out for them, but they did the same thing that Nagy did, and you know, um, and Nagy deserves like some pushback for what he what he did. Right. But I mean, at the end of the day, like your kicker's got to make a forty-one yard field goal, man. I think like, Nagy's just sort of on tilt right now. He's very much on tilt, especially, and he let it go in the press conference. He it's he's no longer hiding it at this point. Like he is very. He is very irritated at this stage of the season right now. Well, I mean, if you put a functional quarterback in that offense, it's it's going to work really well. So that's yeah, it's that's got to be just driving him absolutely batshit. Um, so look, we, we we've been here almost fifty minutes, so I know we um, you've got I think another pod tonight. You got a bunch of stuff you need to get done. So um, you got another five minutes or so. Yeah, sure, go for it. Okay, I just. I just you know, while we're here, um, as far as DFS goes this week, have you have you gotten into pricing at all? Have you looked at anything? No, not not really where I plug in. Like I said, I do uh, the worksheet stuff first, Monday, Tuesday. I right, come in and right. do rankings after that. And then Wednesday afternoon is where I spend, like, uh, all my, my prep getting in, uh, you know, for DFS. Uh, you know, obviously we've got uh, some, some pretty good layouts, though. I mean, you know, we, we're pretty good. Uh, Saquon's on the Monday night game, so we don't have him on the main slate. But we get Dalvin right. Cook against the Chiefs, which is obviously going to be probably a lock button for a lot of people. The way people have been Zeke and Saquon lineups. off the main slate. What's that? Zeke and Saquon in that game off the main slate. Yeah, so, off yeah. the main slate, and yeah. yeah, Zeke against the Giants, which was especially <laughs> especially something we would have loved to, to have. I, I would have been both feet on that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, but we you know we get Dalvin Cook against the Chiefs, which I think will be the the universal probably. Uh, highest owned running. Yeah, back. no, no spread on that game yet with Mahomes. I guess, right? Yeah, I think, and, and I think we'll still be one. Based on all the tea leaves, we're going to have one more week of Matt Moore. But I don't right. think that it's not a hundred percent right now. But it seems right. like they, it's more of a doubtful situation. It's almost like the Saquon ankle injury, where Saquon was out doing stuff on the field, and we kept seeing the clips of him doing stuff in practice. But everyone knew based on the injury that he had, even if he had a super body, like all the doctors were like, "This doesn't make any sense." 
for him to be back this no, early. You know, that's totally true. But the thing, it, it, it was the things he was doing. You know, I mean, he was, I mean, he was going so high in the air and then coming right down on that ankle. Like, I mean, I know high ankles are more about left and right, and they're more about torque than just you know brute force. But I mean, I've had high ankles, and if if you did that to it, it would hurt. <laughs> I'm just so I was pretty excited when I saw those workout videos. I mean, I. I'll admit it. I bought in a little bit myself. The one little blessing, though, is that this happening to Mahomes, and if he does happen to miss this week, he just gets extra time for that ankle that he seemingly never got help either. You know, that he hurt it in week one. He hurt it in week one. And then every week it was a thing, him re-injuring that ankle at some point in the game. So this also buys him a little time for that as well um, to get him back on track. That's that's a good point. And, you know, it's funny. I'm surprised – so many people were like dismissive of Moore at quarterback. Like, I mean, Matt Moore for Andy Reid. I've seen Andy Reid do some pretty impressive game planning with a lot less than Matt Moore. Yeah, I thought he'd be pretty solid last week. I'm a little more yeah. down on him this week than I am. Yeah, Minnesota's uh, tough. On, yeah. yeah, just the Minnesota factor. But I thought for sure because – where the Packers had been struggling defending tight ends and running backs that yep. Andy Reid was going to have a game plan to use what, he, you know, his backs out of the backfield, which he always does, and Kelsey. Um, and that, that definitely ended up, you know, meeting its head at a certain point in the you second know, half. Were, um, were you a little bit, like, I was a little bit surprised that Shady got the hook on the fumble the way he did? Just because he's a veteran and Reed like knows him, like it was sort of like one fumble and nah, I'm gonna put you down for a little bit. <laughs> but it was a big moment, so you know coaches are always gonna, yeah. you know. Yeah. In I'm just saying, I, I wouldn't have expected that. Um, as a Damian guy, I was sort of happy about it, but <laughs> yeah, I mean that that situation in itself is like we just haven't seen the end of it. There, we, we've gotten no clarity. Um, well, you you brought it up early in the show. They, well, we both did. I mean, the offensive line's been dysfunctional. They've been missing a different skill guy every week. Like they haven't gotten the core. The, the chorus hasn't been singing in harmony yet on that offense. No, absolutely. And I don't know how we play it this week either, especially because the matchup is a lot is significantly bad against you know the Vikings. Um, right. Granted, they are at home, but uh, I don't know really know how to play it. Does it just oscillate back and does Damian now get more snaps because of one fumble? I don't really know. I don't. I honestly don't know. I don't have an answer. Yeah. I mean, um, I wouldn't imagine that. I think that this backfield is sort of set. It's going to be. Why you know the the question I want to know is why is Darwin Thompson even active at this point? Uh, how many times has he been active? What he was a healthy scratch a couple times, wasn't he? It's so why why is why is he even active? He got a touch last week. Well, right, right. Yeah, that's um, that actually is a good question. I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. I mean, um, I just don't understand, and I'm not a Darwin Thompson truther, but if, if he's going to be active and dressed for these games, and this backfield has performed the way it has, why haven't they even at least like tried to incorporate him a little bit into the past game? This backfield's tough because all four of these guys are good. Yeah, Darren you know? Williams has played well anytime he's been forced yeah. into action. Yeah. Um, it's just it's a hodgepodge. It's hard to decipher. And we the, the thing that sucks is we want to play guys out of it. We want to play the Chiefs right. running back, and we just have no right. clarity, and it's frustrating. I, I I mean, my feel on it, and just just nothing but my feel, but my feel is that if McCoy and Damian are healthy, it's basically their backfield to share with just, you know, with some frosting here or there for the other guys. But we haven't seen that i mean williams was unhealthy for a couple weeks and i'm starting to get the feeling that his first game back he wasn't really all the way back um so now i mean i guess what's going to happen when everybody's healthy 
and they start becoming like that hot knife through butter. Maybe after the ugly matchup with uh, Vrabel's defense week 10, uh, then they have Chargers by week, Oakland, but then New England. <laughs> you know, their, their playoff schedule is rough. I mean, granted, it if is. they're performing like the Chiefs, I think they get New England and Chicago in the playoffs. Right, um, right. Although Chicago at this point. Yeah. It, 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 I wonder, I wonder how tough a matchup Hicks. Chicago will be. Yeah, right. Well, if Hicks is back, that, that really Oh, is Hicks back by then? That's, no, if, if he's know. back by then, then that could change What's some things. The, do you know what the uh, timetable is on it? Um, I can't remember. It was, it was I think, because they put him on IR, correct? The eight week. That okay, yeah, that was what I. That's the only thing I remembered. So I was thinking him not back, but you're right because that was what three weeks ago. Yeah, it was it was before the London game, correct, or after the London game? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think you're right. So yeah, so. Yeah, you're right. Maybe by week 16, conceivably, he could be back. Um, but it also should be fun because we have uh, not only do we have Zeke and Saquon off the board. We don't we that Kittle Arizona matchups on Thursday, so we don't have that in main slate right. either. Because that would have That's been right. one where everyone would have been like, "We'll just jam Kittle in." Like, <laughs> this no, you're right. This is gonna be a weird slate. People people are gonna be saying things like, "Play your and Raiders, play sites, your Bills," and both sites <laughs> have made it a point of emphasis to Jack McCaffrey up. He's 10,000 on DK and 97 on FanDuel. So wow. they've made it a point to not allow you to make it at least tougher to say, well, if you're going to play this guy, you're going to pay for it. 10,000 on DK. And that sucks. Cause I actually, and this, I don't know if this seems counterintuitive, but I sort of like him against the Titans. Yeah. I mean, I have no, I like him against everyone. Uh, well, that's fair. <laughs> you weren't even a little daunted last week. I, I didn't touch him last week. I'll be well, honest. Well, last week I did because of just the layout for the other backs. Like, you know, right. uh, it was exactly, you didn't have to pay for him. Yeah. yeah. You didn't have to pay for him last week. Uh, whereas, you know, this week it would have been more of a draw um, because what, I mean, we're, we have to sell ourselves on, on Miami elevating Le'Veon at this point. Uh <laughs> Well, you know, I think here's the, the thing on Le'Veon against Miami. I just think he's going to catch more passes at the very least. But he hasn't. Since Darnold's come back, his touches and receiving use have just, has just like gone. They've just evaporated. When they, well, the Patriots when, were, the Patriots sent heat, and then they did. Well, they actually they were sort of intermittent, but. I mean, Darnold, they haven't been comfortable since Darnold came back yet. I'm just hoping they get comfortable yeah. in this game. This is, it's definitely um, a get-right spot. They need it because they are frazzled. He had 12 touches last week for Le'Veon. Uh, yeah, we need, they yeah, need no, to get back to using him. <laughs> well, the, you know, it's the Jets have such a great schedule down the stretch, and I was really concerned they were going to move Robbie Anderson and sort of screw the whole thing up. I'm so glad they didn't. But if you look at the Jets' closing schedule, I mean – I'm sort of like the boy who cried wolf with this because I've been talking about it really since August. But, I mean, look, Gase is frustrating. He definitely makes you rethink, you know, a lot of things. But, man, you're looking at at Miami, the Giants, Washington, Oakland, Bengals, Miami again, and then a Baltimore team that's not particularly scary. I mean – the Jets know, could be Baltimore is getting right now. I'm really curious because this Sunday night. Maybe game, by then they will be right. Well, right. think about this. On Sunday night, we talked about the Chiefs not having, you know, their full allotment of receivers all season and right. everything like that. Think about this. On Sunday night, the Ravens are going to have Jimmy Smith, Marlon Humphrey, Earl Thomas, and Marcus Peters all on the field for the first time. 
together. In time for Brady. That's, I mean, that's that's a unit that could be, now the pass rush isn't what it was because they've lost so many pass rushers from last year, but that is a secondary unit that is pretty strong objectively on paper. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, it's funny, Brady, uh, Tom Brady, like if you, I think he's like, I should probably look this up before I say it, but he's like QB6 or QB5 or something like that, um, in ter- you know, just for the yearly rankings. But if you watch the Patriot offense, it's pretty. It's no, just, I tried it to make this a, look like a Patriot offense. I tried to make this a point of emphasis last week because uh, they yeah. they faced one of our easiest schedules so far this season, and their offense right. is basically middle of the pack everywhere. And it's like to right. me, that's right. like, oh well, their defense hasn't played anybody, but we know the defense is really good, especially the secondary. No matter exactly. who they play, like they're still objectively going to be a, a top quarter defense or even a top ten defense, even with regression. Exactly. It may not be a weekly orgy. Yeah, of they might not be stats, scoring a defensive really touchdown good. every game, but they're going to limit good offenses. <laughs> right. That's what they do, and they, they have the personnel to yeah. do it, especially in yeah. the, the back end. But their offense, and especially their offensive line, and the way they've run the football, they're at, they're thirty second in EPA added through the run game this season, um, and then their pass game. And it's, it, and it's not surprising when you say Great. In their past game, so they've had our 11th easiest schedule and their 18th in scoring rate per drive, 21st in yards per play, 15th in yards per pass play, 20th in first down rate, 20th in early uh, down first down rate. Those are all things when you look at their schedule and it's like, hmm, well, when they play some better teams, like this could be a problem. Now, granted, their schedule is still pretty easy the rest of the way, but their offense, I, I have more. Next month, next month's a little bit. Yeah, you know. I have actual questions, though. I do have more of a question on their offense facing good competition than I do against their defense facing good competition. And they're the Patriots. Oh, they I mean, they figure it out. They, they always do this and figure it out along the way. I would not bet against them by any means. I'm not saying run away from the Patriots. They're going to be they're, – they're I'm fraud. not yeah, – no, I wouldn't but. say – here, here's the thing. Look, if, 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 I mean, I'm look, I agree 100%. But if you look at them right now, like – Julian Edelman's not the most, you know, durable thing on the planet. If if something happened to Edelman, they'd be in trouble. Yeah, I mean, the Sanu trade is weird because I thought Jacoby Myers just has a lot of Sanu in him inherently, and now you stopgap that. Uh, you roadblock Myers, who I thought was had, with his opportunities was starting to play well, and I think that Sanu just gives you something similar anyways. He definitely doesn't give you what Josh Gordon gave you, and then that situation's weird. <laughs> no, um, no. So I have no idea. He's a glue guy. Yeah, he is. He's a glue he's a glue guy. guy. Yeah. Um, and then Dorsett is another guy that's like he's he's solid, but another guy that's not instilling fear yeah. in anybody. Um, he yeah, I mean he's a complimentary piece, one that really works, but he's complimentary. And Ben Watson is a thirty-eight year old tight end. Right. So that you know Brady can't really be the tip of the spear anymore himself. Gronk, I don't think is. You know, I don't think he's coming out from behind curtain number one until next year. Um, so I just, you know, they don't really have something to get behind on that offense other than the process itself. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I wouldn't bet against them, but when I think Sunday night will be interesting. I'm really very excited yeah. about that game. I know a lot of and people Philadelphia are. week eleven and Dallas week twelve. Absolutely. I mean, when they face some of these defenses that can kind of limit them a little bit, I'm real curious. Or just teams we saw in the Bills game. 
you know, the Bills, um, the Bills, you know, were probably at a good chance to win that game themselves. Uh, yeah. and, and that offense did absolutely nothing. Uh, the Patriots offense that is. So if they, I mean, like I said, for I have, 150 yards in that game. I think that people are approaching the New England strength of schedule from the wrong track, though. I don't think they should be looking at what offenses they faced. I think they should be looking at what defenses they faced because that raised, to me, that raises more questions. Well, yeah, because you're, I mean, it makes sense just in terms of they're controlling the football and they're controlling these games. They're controlling both sides of the ball. So it's putting them in these situations where it's like a pinball for defensive fantasy points. I don't think that's going to be the case when they're playing better offenses who can, you know, hold the ball a little bit themselves, keep the game flow somewhere in a respectable place. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I just think game flow is going to become more, what's the word? Normal, <laughs> yeah. Neutral. They, have, they, haven't, they, haven't played, they haven't played a normal foot games football game since week one, and even that wasn't normal. They annihilated Pittsburgh. Yeah, it's it's yeah, absolutely. So I mean, I'm I'm excited. I say that I wouldn't bet against them, but uh, I'm curious yeah. what adjustments they make. All right. Well, hey man, we're definitely uh, we're over an hour, so <laughs> you've already put in your time. <laughs> right on. Right on. Um, so, hey, man, thank you so much for coming back on the show. It was fun chatting it up. Um, definitely hope we can get you on sometime in the offseason, maybe do some rookies or something. That would be fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but uh, before I let you go, um, just because I know – I think most people know you're at a different place this year. You're, you're, you're doing most of your work with Sharp Football. Um, and Warren's amazing, and I know that site is amazing. Is there anything, like, going on in the site, like, now that people should know about? Any – any like test drive deals for people who want to check it out, that kind of stuff? Yeah, so everything so far, uh, anything on the season, any type of pass you want, whether it be a day pass, a month pass, or rest of the season, everything's 33% off. If you just use the promo code SHARP33 and plug that in. Ah. So, I mean, even if you want to come in and just check out the the, the worksheet and the DFS column and just ch- give it a test run for a week, I mean, that that use that SHARP33 column on that or code on that, and that will get you 33% off just the, the week pass. And then if you – or rest of the season, if you just want to take a, a month drive uh, in the, or the rest of the season, take, just kind of play it from here. But SHARP33, if you go use that at SHARP Football Analysis – and that, that applies not just my fantasy side, but uh, to anything you want on the site, whether it be props or uh, Warren's betting and stuff like that. Um, you can use it for anything. Nice. Are you playing a lot of props this year? Uh, no. Like so um, I don't. And uh, our guy, Cleve TA, works the prop side. But uh, I have a – I'm in Northeast Ohio, so we do not have uh, legalized gambling uh, yet. So I go through a gotcha. local bookie, but he doesn't do player props. He just use, does game lines. So um, gotcha. I, I well, same thing out here in jersey uh i i do that off off-site bookie thing occasionally but um i have a local guy but no player props um because i did offshore for a while and it's just too much of a hassle withdrawing and cashing foreign checks (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i i definitely need to get into the props a little bit more though they're they're fun it's just it's funny just because i'm so addicted to gpps and the financial upside they represent i get into props and i'm like Nah, let me just go do another freaking lineup in the slant or something. Um, anyway, uh, which site do you tend to play on? Do you do DraftKings, I, FanDuel, or do you do I both? play primary cash on FanDuel and then primary uh, GPPs and tournaments on, on DK. 
Interesting. I never. I've actually been doing like when I really like a tournament lineup. I've been throwing it in a cash thing that hits my entry fee. I I don't know if that's a good idea or if it's just been working for me the last couple of weeks. But I've workshopped my approach over the years, and uh, I find you know Fanduel cash typically a more beatable, uh, more success historically. My success rate on Fanduel is a lot higher. So I point five PPRs maybe like in your wheelhouse. Um, no, yeah, I, I'm a little bit better. I think at, at the touchdown variant side of Fanduel. Um, gotcha. whereas, you know, cause it's a little more touchdown driven site, whereas the scores tend to be a little bit higher on DK and, you know, the PPR yeah. elevates, like kind of raises everything up. Uh, so I've just, I've Silva actually said something very similar. So I've had a lot time. more success on FanDuel cash, but I, um, I play a lot on DK still, but I mostly use FanDuel heavily to do my double ups and my cash and, uh, you know, my head dads and stuff. Um, whereas on DK, I'm having a lot more fun. It's been such a weird year, man. I mean, I had a couple of weeks ago, I had a 50 50 that was not cashing at 195 points. Um, oh, yeah. The week, the one week was bonkers. The Will Fuller week. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I ended up getting up to like 204 and I, I barely cashed by like almost nothing. And then last week, I cashed a whole bunch of 50 50s at like 147, yeah. 144, 140, stuff like that. It's been it's been a crazy year. Um, how have you been the last couple of weeks? You've been surviving uh, amidst the madness. Yeah, I was good. I've been good all weeks except for week uh, week seven. Two weeks ago, I was a disaster. Okay, yeah. Well, that was the crazy one, right? No, that was cool um, for a week. Well, for a week, I was totally cool. Uh, two weeks ago, well, no, but week seven wasn't everybody upside down. Week seven, like all the backup tight ends were scoring and fullbacks were scoring. On week seven, I'm. Wasn't um, Man, I would. I I can't remember having so many single digit points in a lineup. I had Evan Ingram. Uh, that was Evan Ing- Evan Ingram <laughs> against the Cardinals. Oh, Ingram was brutal. Um, and it wasn't brutal. that. I wasn't even just playing because it was the Cardinals either. It was you know obviously because I, I believe Evan Ingram was a good football player. The target share, everything was there too. Um, he was terrible. The, the, wrong, the other tight end scored the touchdown. Red Ellison scored a touchdown. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, it was a beautiful throw. Too. But that was my only real like tough week was uh, week seven. That was my first like weird on the weird in the face week. Do you have a um? And, and we're gonna get out of here in like a minute. But do you have huh. do you have a DFS philosophy that that like a way that you play? Like my my general philosophy is I try to play. You know, I try to have an approach that keeps me at break even most of the time, like I, my, my basic goal is to break even every week. So I keep myself in the game. And then when I hit a GPP someday, I'm, I'm profitable. Um, and so I've been incorporating more cash play the last year and a half. Um, yeah, I'm a primary cash game player, but I think it's literally, it's a choose your own adventure book. It's what do you right, want right. out of it? That's what I think makes DFS so great. And, you know, a lot of people get turned off. Uh, the, the, they think it's, you know, snake oil, but uh, no, um, I, I it's literally what, I, I, it's I mean, literally what ahead, you sorry. want it. If you're if you're just someone that wants to come in and you know play a little bit, but just play for pure upside, and you want to play tournaments and treat it like scratch offs, you could do that. If you're someone that wants to have a little more profitability out of it and just wants to you know try to set good lineups and have attachment, you're going to play you know more cash um, and you know try to win some more money. And if you're someone that wants a little bit of both, you can you know use your cash game to funnel your tournament action. Right. Um, but it's literally whatever you want it to be. It's what I think makes it so cool. Um, That's a good you don't have to treat it. You don't have to come in and say, Oh, I'm, I'm only playing DFS cause I want to be a millionaire and I want to, <laughs> you, you don't have, you don't, it's not the, you know, if you want it to be like, you just make it be whatever you want. Well, and I think that's the, it, just the, it, it, the plethora of, of avenues it, it creates. Unless you're a rainmaker, you really don't want to use that approach. Right. I mean, 
I, 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 one thing I say on my pod all the time when I'm doing my DFS stuff is play this for fun. Like it's really not the greatest investment. 80% of the people who play in tournaments lose. Um, so you can do pretty well and still lose. It's that kind of game. Um, so, you know, don't, don't look at it so much of it. I mean, I'm not saying don't try hard. I mean, obviously protect your money, try to play smart. You don't, you don't want to play bad, but you know, if you really want to make an investment, go make an investment. Like I play DFS for fun. Um, and I don't put more money into play than I'm comfortable with. Like I try to hit that on my show as much as I can, like put the amount in play that you're comfortable losing. That way you're not going to be on tilt all afternoon. Right. Um, but maybe it's just me. <laughs> nope, but like so, so many places like, you know, play more, win more, you know, come to us, become, become rich. It's like, it's really not that kind of game, you know, unless you are a rainmaker, in which case, you know, I mean, if I was an amazing DFS player, I wouldn't be reading other people's recommendations. Like I'd be reading Silva's matchup columns, stuff like that, the logistical information I need, but I, I don't, I wouldn't need advice. No, it's too good of a field now. The 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 public is too good at, at the game now. Um, whereas you know, just where it's come in five years, it it, it, it you're you're. I mean, the the field has gotten better. I think I started playing in 2014, and I think the field's gotten better every single year since then. Yeah, absolutely, it absolutely has. All right. Well, hey, man, look, I could sit here and bore you for another hour easily, so I'm not going to do that. Um, so hey, first of all, thanks a bunch for coming back on the pod. Um, can't wait to get you back. Uh, and folks, if you were sleeping or walked away, uh, from the pod for a second, um, sharp 33 is a discount code you can use. If you want to check out what Rich is doing on sharpfootball.com, it is sharpfootball.com, right? It's sharp football analysis. Thank you. Sharp football <laughs> analysis. Um, and I, I, I strongly recommend, uh, giving sharp football a shot just cause I read the book every year. It was really good this year. Um, and Warren just has a sort of a different way of approaching data. I find like, I generally find I'm hearing takes from him that I'm not hearing from other people, which I like. Well, I think um, the best thing that Warren has, is he's not invested in the fantasy side at all. Yeah, that's true. Which helps him keep a clearer head on just focusing on some things that actually matter. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know what? Hermsmeyer is sort of like that too, right? Like he doesn't really play a lot of DFS. Yeah, he flipped. He was a guy that was getting into some dynasty for a little bit and getting into some of these leagues and kind of realized Kevin Cole's the same way, kind of just wants yep. to focus on the real football aspect, and it's and it's made them better analysts for it. Man, those guys are both really good. I had Kevin on the pod once. He, he, he liked great you. Dude. Not, yeah, he's really, really good. I hung dude. out with him. I got to hang out with him last year. He's a real good dude. Yeah, and he's with PFF now. It's, it's great. Um, so, hey, we're going to wrap this thing up now. Right now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I'm going to be getting in touch with you during the offseason. Hopefully we can do a little rookie stuff. Um, but thanks for coming on the pod. And are, is there anything we should look for for you like next couple weeks? Are you doing any other pods, anything like that? No, I just bounce around and bounce around. So you can just follow follow me on Twitter. Check out the stuff at Sharp Football that I'm doing. You know, the weekly worksheet. I do a weekly DFS article too. Um, and check those out. 
All right, cool. All right, so yeah, I mean, for anybody who like lives in a cave, you can follow Rich at Lord Reeves, L-O-R-D-R-E-E-B-S. Um, and that's going to do it for the Rotobomb Podcast. Thanks for listening, folks. You're going to be here for a while. I'm going to call my crew. you going to call your crew. We can rendezvous at the bar around two. Plans to leave, throw the keys to little C's. Pull the truck up front and roll up the next one so we can steam on the way to the telly. Go fill my belly. A T-bone steak, cheese, eggs, and Welch's great conversate for a few cause in a few we gon' do what we came to do ain't that right boo forget the telly we just go to the crib and watch a movie in the jacuzzi smoke L's while you do me throw your hands in the air if you's a true player to the honeys getting money playing fellas like dummies uh. You got a gun up in your waist, please don't shoot up the place Cause I see some ladies tonight that should be having my baby Baby How you living, Biggie Smalls? Imagine and Benz is giving ends to my friends and it feels stupendous Tremendous cream, get a dollar and a dream Still tote get strapped with infrared beams Chopping O's, smoking line optimals Money, ups and clothes, all a brother knows a foolish pleasure, whatever. I had to find the buried treasure. So grams I had to measure. However, living better now. Coochie sweater now. Drop top BMs. I'm the man, girlfriend. <laughs> Honey, check it. Tell your friends to get with my friends. We could be friends. <laughs> Shit, we could do this every weekend. That's right. Alright? Is that alright with you? Yeah. Keep banging. Junior Mafia, represent, baby, baby, uh.